Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. The moment we receive Christ as Savior, we are saved from the penalty of sin, right? How many of your sins did Jesus know about? Before he knew about all of them. He died for all of them. Even the ones that you don't know about yet, he knows about. And he died for those sins. And now, after that, we can say, I am being saved from the power of sin. And and the question that we want to answer today is, how do we cooperate with the Lord in that? Yeah, go ahead and go to that next slide if you would there, Stephen. How do we cooperate with the Lord in this? What is our role in this whole thing? And we do have a very, very important role to play. So let's go right to the Word. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Pretty familiar passage of Scripture probably to most of you. Romans chapter 12. That's on page 1305 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. The Apostle Paul here is is really getting down to the crux of, of, you know, things that are at the core of our lives as Christians and how we live. Verse number 1. Uh, I think we are probably quite familiar with. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. All right? So the idea, our bodies, we have that that diagram up there where that includes all of us. The idea is is you are surrendering. It's the very first one on our list here with things we do as a Christian. We surrender to the Lord. And that's what verse 1 here is talking about, that full surrender. Uh, when an animal was being sacrificed on the altar, when it went there, it, it wasn't coming back. And so the same thing for us. Uh, we are to become living sacrifices, but the idea is we surrender the Lord with no intention of turning back. We sang about that, right? No turning back, okay? And so that is that surrender. That happens when we receive Christ as Savior. We're making that kind of a surrender. And then verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or or you might determine what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so here's some instructions. And this is one of the aspects of how we cooperate with God in this process. Do not be conformed. Uh, This word conformed means to be shaped, to be molded. And in the Greek grammar that's behind this, because it was the New Testament written in Greek, and that's when the Holy Spirit inspired the writings, that's what they wrote in, and our translations are good translations of that. But this idea of when it says, do not be conformed to this world, indicates that they were, in fact, being conformed to the world. Do you realize that you are always being shaped by something? You're always being shaped by something. You're either being shaped by the world and and your experiences in it, or you're being shaped by something else, as it talks about here. Okay, so he's saying, don't let the world shape you. Don't let what's going on around you shape you. Don't let your own experiences in life, apart from the Lord, shape you. Don't do that. You need to stop that. Instead, be transformed. Now, this word... um, Transformed. We all are, are, are aware of the, the Greek word that's behind this. It's the Greek word when we get our English word metamorphosis. Remember in school, 
You had your science class, and what did you learn about metamorphosis? What, were you, what, what was the illustration? The butterfly, that's right, we all know that, right? And so here's this caterpillar, and, and, and then it, it forms a technically a chrysalis, you know, I always called it a cocoon, uh, but it forms that, and then eventually out comes the butterfly. And, and so that word, that metamorphosis, is what we're talking about. And what's interesting about this word is I, I, I dug down to see again what's the root meanings behind this. It's talking about this metamorphosis is letting the inner reality come out on the outside, changing to match an inner reality. Isn't that cool? Because isn't that what happens as Christians? You remember we talked about what it meant to be in Christ? That in Christ, deep down in our spirit, we are holy, we are righteous, we are loving. Uh, you know, we, we want to serve God. Uh, on and on the list goes. He's already changed us in our spirit. Do you believe that? Okay, when we really believe it, we act like it, okay? Uh, but so that's what it's talking about here, being transformed, that, that this inner reality of who you are in Christ needs to come outward into your life. You will be transformed. Okay, what's going to enable us to be transformed? He says it here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to learn to think differently. Now, this word renewing is interesting, too, because and I don't have the verse up here today, but if you remember, um, last week we, we looked at Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, and it described what God did when we got saved. Regeneration and renewing. The Holy Spirit came in and regenerated us, gave us a new birth, a new life, and, and a renewal, making all things new. Same word here. So how are we going to experience this moving what's really true on the inside to the outside, this transformation? It's by renewing of our mind, this renewing that God did deep down inside of us. Our mind needs to come in line with. So let's say it like this. One of the first things, two, two main things we're going to look at today, but you're going to have to do, if you're going to cooperate with God, is to shape your mind to match the word. That's the word, conform, right? Shape. Shape your mind to match this. And if I asked today, how many of you believe that the Bible is true? You'd probably all say, we believe it's true, right? We believe it's from God. We believe it's how we should live. All right? Do you always think that way? Do you always think the way the Bible presents truth? Have you, have you ever opened up the Bible and go, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that. Or I, it says that, but I don't know about that. I, because, you know, all the experiences in your life and you're trying to sort that out. What we need to do is to shape our minds to match the word. That means we have to, to go to the word with the determination that this is what God has said. And I need to try to understand what it says, and I need to try to understand what it means. And in so doing, I need to say, okay, that's the way it really is. That's the way it really is. And so when you offend me, um, and I act like that's a normal occurrence, that's not what I mean at all. This is a, a generic. But if, if someone offends me and uh, I don't want to forgive that person, 
Because, you know, I want to be able to use this if I need to. Right? They've done me wrong, and I want to be able to hold that over them if I need to. Those are very natural ways of thinking. But guess what? It doesn't match the Word. And the Word says that deep down inside, I'm like Jesus. Then does Jesus forgive? Oh. Okay, so... This not forgiving doesn't really match, so I have to reshape my thinking, reshape my mind to match the word, okay? And we we spend time in the word to do this. It takes some effort. We have to talk with God about what we're reading. We have to be open to it, willing to implement it. We talk with our brothers and sisters in Christ about the Christian life and the word. We come and hear sermons and get involved in Bible says All this so that we can shape our minds to match the word. All right. The second thing, go to Colossians chapter 2. And I know once we're done with it, you're going to kind of say, well, duh. Well, I've learned a lot of things in the Christian life. When, when you hear them, you go, well, duh. And then you say, wait, but I'm not living by them. Huh, okay, so maybe it's not so well, duh, as I thought. So here in Colossians chapter 2, and in Colossians, Paul is trying to uh, communicate to the Colossians that sort of what we're saying today, that Christ is enough. Christ is all sufficient. He's everything that you need. You don't need something else. You don't need a philosophy. You don't need uh, other spiritual beings or spiritual experiences. No, Christ is what you need. And so let's, let's read verse 6. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Don't be conformed to this world, right? That's what he's saying. Don't be fooled. Then he says this, verse 9, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are, what's the next word? Are you guys out there? And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So he's telling us what God has done in his life, when God has given us, when Christ moved in, and when he took us and put us into Christ, that we are complete Okay, we have all the things that are required for us to make progress and to begin experience this fact that we are being saved from the power of sin. All right, but let's go back up. The key here is verse number six. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And what does the word walk more often than not mean in our New Testament when we talk about what's it mean? What? How you live your life, that's right. So he says, here's how you live your life. He says, live your life the same way you got saved. Isn't that what he says? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So you have to think, how did I receive Christ Jesus the Lord? He says, so live. Live the same way. Well, how did did we receive Christ as Savior? Well, I know for me, and I I think it's probably true for everybody, at some point you came face to face with truth, didn't you? Truth about God, that he is a holy God, that he will judge sin. Uh, you came face to face with the truth that you had sinned. And you have sinned against the holy God who will judge sin. 
Then you also understood that God, wait, God loved me and sent his son to die and pay that penalty for me, right? And rose again. And you come to understand these things and, and then you understand that if I will just put my trust in Christ, that he'll take care of this. He'll forgive all of those sins. His death will be payment for the penalty for my sins. We come to know that, right? Did anybody besides me know that before you receive, I mean, for a period of time before you receive Christ as Savior? Do you understand the question? Any of you like me? In other words, I came to know it very clearly in January of 1975, and I didn't finally trust until April of 1975. So we can know these things, but we aren't saved until we take what we know and choose to, with it's an act of our will, we choose to trust it. We spent the summer talking about faith, didn't we, right? We know something to be true, and then we trust it, and that's faith, and we are saved by faith. So that's how we got saved. We came, we understood something that was true, and then we chose to trust it. And the Apostle Paul says, here's how you live your Christian life. The same way. The same way, yeah, you're going to come to know certain things that are true and you're going to have to do what? Choose to trust it, to go with it, all right? And so this second thing, the first one is the idea of, you know, shape your mind to match the word. And the second one is this, live like a Christian the same way you became a Christian. And I just try to say it that way to help you remember it. Live like a Christian the same way you became a Christian, which means you, oh, here's something that's true about God or me and my life. All that. Okay, I'm going to trust that that's true and I'm going forward with it. I'm going to, same way I got saved, I'm going to live today. Okay? Doesn't that make sense? Because the Bible says that we walk not by sight, but by faith, where we know and trust. And that's how we live. So these two things are crucial to cooperating with God. You need to shape your mind to match the word and then live like a Christian the same way you became a Christian. That's all you gotta do. The end. Shall we just go get coffee and refreshments and talk about the Patriots game this afternoon? It's all set. Well, let me just address a couple things up front here. Um, and the first one is this, you cannot do this on your own or in your own strength. This is a spiritual endeavor. And as such, we have to be completely dependent on the Lord as we do this. We have a role. We have a responsibility as we go through this. We're going to shape our minds to match the word. And then we're going to, you know, same way we got to say, we're going to choose to trust this and go forward with it. We, that's our role. But you, you will not succeed in your own strength, in your own wisdom. Doing it your own way. You won't succeed. Jesus is very clear about this in our relationship with him. In John chapter 15, he's talking to uh, his followers and he says, tells them to abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then that statement, for without me, you can do only a few things. No, you can do what? Nothing. And we're not talking about you can't tie your shoes. We're talking about you can't bring about the changes that need to occur in your life on your own. And so 
we, it's really crucial that we stay close to the Lord, that we, on purpose, just like the, the branch on the vine has to draw its life from the, the vine, so we have to stay connected with the Lord. And we do that by reading his word, by talking with him, by uh, meditating, pondering the things that he says, by fellowshipping with him in each other, and, and we go on and build a list there. But we have to be dependent on him. Uh, we looked at a verse last week in Philippians that said to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And maybe we said this is what God has already done inside. Work it out. Take it seriously. That's that I with fear and trembling. But the good news is the next verse. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God is at work. That's good. It, you know, it's not up to you alone, is it? There's things that he, he tells you to do, but he's working there with you. Really good news in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says that he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, and who's that? Who began a good work in you? The Lord did. He's what? He will complete it. He's going to complete it. And he's going to do this until the day of, of the Lord, till the day the Lord returns. And so he is at work in our lives. He started this process. He'll bring it to the end. And, and I don't want to um, belabor this too much. Think about this. But so we, we receive Christ as Savior. Then we enter this process of being sanctified. That's the, the uh, biblical term of being set free from the power of sin. And we're doing this. And eventually, and this is a sermon of two weeks from today, um, is that he's going to finish the process and he's going to remove sin and all this is going to happen. We're going to be heaven. So what happens if we don't cooperate? Or we don't cooperate very much. And we cooperate sporadically. And I, I don't know how to gauge this really, okay? But so here we are. And let's say our goal is to, to grow and, and to really have you know, Christ fill our lives and to begin to live freely and live out these truths. And... I still think when Christ takes us, either, either we die or he, he comes and takes us all away, that that transformation is going to be kind of shocking, right? Whoa! Well, I can't help but think that if you're way over here and that happens, this is what? It's going to really be shocking! <laughs> Whoa! It's kind of like, uh, and some of you guys, how many of you guys, when you have a, a, a go to a pool and the water's kind of cold, you just jump in? Some of you, you guys are nuts. <laughs> I do it the really hard way, you know. Oh, you know, a little bit, oh, a little farther. Oh, oh, oh and finally. <clears throat> I work my, but so, for some of us, if, if, maybe not us here, hopefully, but if, if you don't really cooperate much, I think it's going to be like getting tossed in the cold pool all at once. Only it's going to be good, not bad. All right? Okay. So um, in First Thessalonians, he talks a minute about uh, that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be sanctified. The next verse says this, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Good news. It's, it, you can't do this on your own strength, and you don't have to. God is very much at work. Okay? And so this idea, we need to cooperate with the Lord. So we're depending on him, cooperating him. But now, there's a second thing that you need to understand about this process, and that's that 
It's not always easy. I mean, on the diagrams, it looks real easy, doesn't it? You've been saved. God himself has moved in. He has changed you forever on the inside. He's gone to work and, you know, helping you to be transformed, to match these things. He's saving you from the power of sin. All that ought to be just easy. But it's not. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes it can be a downright battle that you find yourself in. And now let's talk about why that is. Okay? The first reason is because we see, you know, from the diagrams earlier, that our soul has been damaged by sin. Your soul. Remember, you had a, a corrupt, dead-to-God nature, and it did damage to your soul. It did damage to how you think about things. It did damage to your, your will. And maybe one of the biggest areas it did damage is to your emotions, which then start to, you know, get out of control and drive you in so many ways and places and things. So, we're all in process of recovering from the ravages of sin in our lives. And it's like this. Um, you know, years ago, I, I injured my left knee and I had to wear the time, the way they treat it, they put you in a brace for six weeks, don't move, all this kind of stuff. And then you walk afterwards. And eventually the knee's healed. But what I noticed is that I still kind of favored a little bit, right? Even though the knee was healed, I still had a limp. Why? It had become a habit. It had become just the way I lived. Well, the same thing's true in our lives. What sin has damaged us. It, it, we talked about that. And we were dead to God and all the corruption and decay that it brought into our lives and the harm that it brought. So even though we have been healed deep down inside from that, and we don't have to think that way anymore, and we don't have to live that way anymore, and we don't have to feel that way anymore, we still got a limp. We got a limp in those areas of our lives because it's just our habit. It's how we have learned to live. And so the fact that there's a lot of stuff that has been damaged and is in the process of being undamaged can make it difficult, okay? And the second thing about this um, is the world that we live in is not neutral. It's not neutral. Go to Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Paul describes it like this. He says, I find in a law that evil is present with me. Me, the one who wills to do good. I want to do good. I want to do right. I want to cooperate with God. I want to, you know, believe these things. I want to know and believe and do. I want to do these things, but evil is present with me. We still live in a sin-cursed world, don't we? And I mentioned before, is your body saved yet? It's not a trick question. The moment you receive Christ you, in your spirit, that deepest part of your being, you were forever saved, right? Done deal. Never will change. But your soul is now in the process of being saved from this power of sin. But your body is not going to be saved until God returns for you or he returns for all of us. And remember I kind of described your body as just a party looking for a place to happen? It just, it likes what it likes and it doesn't like what it doesn't like and that's why we have to keep it under subjection and say, no, you can't have that bowl of ice cream. And that's the, the simple one. All right. So evil is present 
And so it's always pulling us. And, and Satan is at work in the world around us. He brings lies to us. He, he reminds us of our uh, bad experiences. He stirs the emotions through these things. And so we find ourselves struggling with that. The author of Hebrews ends up talking about our lives because of this. And he, he says, the sin which so easily ensnares us. He speaks very matter-of-factly. It's easy to get caught by sin. So, so is, this is a battle for us. Go to 1 John chapter 4, though. The good news. I, I don't discourage you to go out of here saying, man, what hope is there? 1 John chapter 4. In here, he's talking about the, the spirit of Antichrist coming against the people of God and how do we know and all this kind of stuff. And then verse 4 of chapter 4, he says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. If, if you got the, uh, your Bible open, you can read it with me. Read the, next, the rest of the verse out loud. Here we go. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, <laughs> the one who's in us and working in us is greater than that one who's trying to trip us up. Okay? So we know how this is going to end. All right, so just know that though. So we, we've, we've talked about this idea of, of shaping your mind to match the word and then living the Christian life the same way you became a Christian uh, by responding to that truth and trusting it. So how does this look in some practical ways for us? Uh, let's talk about us as human beings. Um, it's... it's you know, people study human beings and what we're like. We find that, that there are really like four, and there, there could be more. This doesn't come directly from the Bible. But there are like four big things that really all of us have a desire for, a deep down desire for. And I think we're made that way by God. Okay? But these four things are love, acceptance, worth, and significance. And some people would say security instead of significance. I think significance is a better, better one to look at. And, and we use these because it's really easy. If you look at the first letters, it spells the word what? Laws, okay? So it can help you to remember that. But so these four things, love, that everybody is, is um, made to desire to be loved, to be known by someone at an intimate level, right? to really know us and to desire to know us and to, to take pleasure in knowing us. We all want that. And now that might look different sometimes for a man or a woman or people in different sense, but we all have that inner motivation to be loved. And then we also all want to be accepted. And really, it's hard for me to explain kind of what accepted means, but what it does mean is not rejected. Rejection does a number on us. You know, just watch the little kid in, in a, a classroom who's the one who's being rejected and watch how it affects him and watch how, if you could try, watch him over time, see how it affects him in his life. You know, we don't want to be rejected. We want to be accepted just the way we are. I accept you. That's a desire that we have. And then worth. We want to be valuable. We want to know that we are worth something. Uh, yeah, I think the key there is that valuable. We are valuable. And then finally, significance. We want to know that our life matters. That 
what I do counts. Okay? In other words, if I wasn't here, would it make any difference? By the way, what a sad thing. How many people, sadly probably today, will make a decision to check out, take their lives, because they may not feel in love, they feel rejected, they don't feel valuable, and then they say, well, what difference would it make if I'm here or not? What a sad thing. But anyway, so we have these drives in us. So, so let's talk about how this idea of being in Christ and cooperating with God can work for us in this. So in this area of love, we have a desire to be loved. Now remember, our, our nature before we came to Christ is what? Sinful, self-centered, about me. And so we set about in life to be loved, to get people to love us, to get maybe one special someone to love us. And, and we work hard to do that. Maybe we try to earn that love or we, we try to manipulate that love. Now, you'd never do that, would you? But, you know, you try to interact with because if I do this, they'll do that, you know. And you try to get this love to happen. And, and when we aren't operating by God's word and the truth, we make really bad choices. Have you ever known anybody who made a bad choice to get someone to love them? A song popped into mind this, my mind this morning. Looking for love in all the wrong places. If, if this wasn't a problem, there wouldn't be very many country music songs. Okay? But the idea is we do make bad choices seeking to be loved. And we are takers in this area of love. We are trying to get this love for ourselves. Okay? Uh, and so that's a problem. So we get to see how do we now, you know, shape our mind to match the truth about this? Because in Christ, we are loved with a love we don't even understand fully. Scripture says in John, 1 John, he says, see what great love the Father has, what? Lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. He loves us and calls us his children. Jeremiah 31, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I loved you before we ever even created the world. I knew about you and I loved you. I loved you when I knew all the things that you were going to do wrong. I loved you when I knew all the problems. I loved you, all of that kind of stuff. And knowing all that stuff, I loved you and lovingly I drew you to me. He loves us. Okay? So, as we, we go through the Word and find more and more examples of that, but we, first thing we've got to do, remember the two things? First we've got to do is shape our minds to match the, the Word. Right? Go ahead and go to that, Stephen. Shape your mind to match the Word. And here's what we're going to say. We're going to say, I am abundantly and unconditionally loved by God. I don't always feel that way, but it's true. I'm absolutely true. And now, we said then we need to live like a Christian the same way you became a Christian. And so what is it? Okay, I've come to understand this truth. Well, let's, let's flesh it out like this. Go ahead. I am going to trust that it is true, that I'm abundantly and unconditionally loved by God. With God's help, I'm going to change the way I think and live. I'm going to stop whatever that is. I'm going to start whatever that looks like it needs to be. I'm going to continue those things that, that are good and right. But we've made a decision to go with what God said, haven't we? Okay? That's cooperating with God. And then you begin to experience it. Let me tell you what you begin to experience in this area of love. You begin to experience that, wait a minute. I am already loved. I'd like it if you love me. 
but I don't need you to love me anymore. Does that, do you get that? I'm free from that. I don't have to try to, do, to make you love me, no. I am so loved and, and, and that, that's, has, that meets the need. And let me tell you what else this does for you. It, it enables you to stop being a taker and become a giver. Now you walk through life loving others. See, it's, it's going to change everything. And it isn't just, oh, instantaneous. Man, we talked about the problems. But this is what it'll do for you. All right, real quickly, significance. Let's jump to significance. Uh, we all want to feel like our life matters. We all want to say it counts. It, it ma- matters whether I'm here or not. Uh, and, and so we work hard to earn that significance. Maybe we even cut some corners so that other people will think we're significant. Because really what matters more to us at this point than feeling significant, uh, we think that if other people think we're significant, we'll feel significant. See, we're trying to get this met out here doing our own thing. But that's all we've said. We make bad choices. We make compromises we shouldn't make. We're focusing on things that are unhealthy. And we could build the list. But what's the word say? What's the word say? Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are made in God's image. That could be a whole sermon of itself. But understand, God purposely made you like him. Some of you love your dogs. They are not made in God's image. You are. Okay? That is significant. Now, some real small writing, because a bunch of verses here in Psalm chapter 8, the psalmist says, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, talking to God, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. How, how are we significant? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. That sounds pretty significant to me. Does it? It's kind of like this. Who do you work for? Oh, you work for Microsoft? Oh, Bill Gates, that's awesome. I work for the God of the universe. Right? I mean, you are significant. And then uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God has put you in the body the way he wants you there. You have a unique role to play that nobody else can play. And so you shape your mind to match the word. And that's that God says I'm important. And he's given me an important part in his eternal plans. I'm significant. And then I need to live like a Christian, the same way I became a Christian. I'm going to trust that it is true when God says I'm important. He's given me an important part in his eternal plans. With God's help, I'm going to change the way I think and live. I'm going to stop. I'm going to start. I'm going to continue, whatever those things need to be. And so each issue that comes up in your life, as you learn from the Word, you realize, wait a minute, this is what's true about who I am in Christ That should govern my life, okay? I need to shape my mind to match God's word. And then I need to just go with that the same way I did when I went with Christ when I got saved. So it's pretty simple. Footnote. 
Simple isn't always easy, right? We said we have been impacted by sin. Uh, We can't do this on our own. We have to trust the Lord. We've been impacted by sin, and we have an enemy who's working against us. But greater is he who's in you than he is in the world. And so just keep doing this. Keep shaping your mind to match the truth of God's word, and then keep living like a Christian the same way you became one. Choose to trust what God said is true. And then you will be able to experience and being able to say what this sermon is about, that I am being saved from the power of sin. And you really will be. In the midst of all about us, I mean, I can look at my own life and I, and I can look back to April 4th, 1975, that, that night when I received Christ as Savior and I've been in this process. And, and if I actually stop and look and say, wow, how has my life changed? How has the trajectory of my life changed? How are things different? Wow, I have made huge progress. When I think about it this week, I sometimes say, I haven't made any progress. I seem like I'm going back. I mean, right, that we find ourselves there. But the reality is, is that over time, we will indeed change and become, we'll grow to be like the Lord. Okay? And this is part of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. It's not just having the penalty taken care of. It's also the power of sin. In two weeks from today, we have Ken Lyles here next week. Two weeks from today, we will look at this idea of being set free from the presence of sin. What good news that is. The gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. The truth of it, I pray, Father, we would be able to focus on and think about it and, and see the ways our, our mind doesn't match the word and that we would consciously take steps to change that. We would learn and grow. And, and I pray too, Father, that we would see that even though it seems like there's so many things that get in the way and so many things that work against us, that, that you help us to overcome all those obstacles, we can, we can choose in this moment. Whenever that moment is, we can choose in this moment to trust what you say is true and live by it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go keep getting free from the controlling power of sin.